0: Hi everyone, thanks for being here. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to announce the next boot camp. It's gonna start January 6th, 2020, and we're putting it together right now. It should be our biggest boot camp so far. In 2019, we had six boot camps and about a hundred people went through it. And I have to tell you, it's been an amazing experience. In fact, this year has been incredible. Those people who went through the boot camp came from all over the world with all different levels of understanding the Law of Attraction and Joshua's teachings. Some had never even heard the term Law of Attraction and had just recently found Joshua, and some have been studying for years. But the thing that they all got is this new perspective about who they are, how this reality works, and how to engage the Law of Attraction to create the lives of their dreams. And so many amazing things have happened. People are starting podcasts, writing books, writing blogs, getting promotions at work, getting better relationships with their loved ones and children and spouses and parents and all that sort of thing. But the most amazing thing is the boot camp itself helps everyone discover their soul's purpose. You know, you came here intending to discover who you truly are and to find out what you're here to do. And when you go along on a journey of self-discovery, discovering who you truly are, All your attributes and talents emerge things you didn't even know about yourself. You are a unique person, and every experience in your life is unique as well. And all of the experiences of your life had led you up to discovering Law of Attraction, maybe finding Abraham Hicks, maybe getting into yoga or something else, and then eventually finding Joshua. And now that you're here, it's time to take the next step in your evolution, your spiritual journey. You do that by engaging a process, an active process where you work through all your limiting beliefs and all your pre-held conceptions about what physical reality was and about yourself, and you shed the illusion of unworthiness and imperfection and being flawed and all that stuff. You intended to expand in joy, yet sometimes you expand in joy through experiences and sometimes you expand in suffering. That suffering simply comes from a limited perspective brought forth by limiting beliefs. If you can adjust those limiting beliefs, reduce the intensity of them, then you offer less resistance. In that state of less resistance, you are more in alignment. And in alignment, you receive inspiration to take you on your spiritual journey to discover who you truly are. You end the resistance. And so all these amazing things start to happen. You've been led by uh, inspiration, by guidance to find the Law of Attraction, to find Joshua, to listen to this podcast. And now is time for you to go to the next level. The new boot camp starts January 6th. If you would like to learn more about it, it is very intense. The only way you can learn more about it is to send me an email, uh, joshuateachings at gmail.com. And then if you're interested in what you hear on that email, we can schedule a conversation to make sure you're at the right place and this is for you. It's a fun conversation. I've done about a 100 of them so far and everyone is different. So don't be scared. Don't let your fear stop you from doing what you're inspired to do. Reach out to me at joshuateachings at gmail.com and I'll tell you all about it. So enjoy the show and we'll talk to you next time.
1: Bye. There's more going on than you know there are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today, I have a special fun guest, a good friend of mine, Julie Ryan. Julie is a psychic and medical intuitive. And the most interesting thing about Julie is she intentionally learned how to do this. So, Julie, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Gary. Delighted to be with you. Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays. So, I I like to start just, I mean, pretty much if people are following this podcast, they've heard you in the past and you're part of the Joshua community and you've been to a lot of events with us. But the interesting part is that you were a business person like me. And then somehow you got inspired to learn how to do what you do now. How did that happen?
2: I had somebody give me a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace, PhD. And she called herself a medical intuitive. And I was in the medical supply industry for a long time 35 years and by that time, you know, probably 25 years. And I'm an inventor of surgical devices and a manufacturer of surgical devices that are still sold throughout the world, have been some of them for 30 years. And I thought, what the heck is a medical intuitive? I'd never heard that term before. So I read her book and I was interested and I wanted to know more. Now, Gary, this was 26 years ago. So we didn't have Amazon yet. We didn't really have the internet, nothing like what it is today. So I did the old fashioned thing and I went to a bookstore Uh to see if I could find anything else. I thought they'll probably have more stuff in a bookstore than they would even in a library. And so I went to the bookstore and I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. And she is a former NASA physicist who has transferred quantum physics, super complicated technical stuff into understandable language for the non-scientific mind, which would be me. And then what happened was I read her book and I wanted to know more. So I called her school to see if perhaps she had a somebody who was a graduate of her school that was teaching in my area. And lo and behold, she did. Yeah. And I started studying with this woman and I studied with her for six years and paid the equivalent of a PhD or a medical school degree and learned how to be a medical intuitive and psychic, and and I'm not limited just to medical intuition. I sure. tell people I'm a businesswoman that learned how to do woo woo, and I'm a buffet of psychicness.
1: Yeah.
0: So now, what's interesting is that all of it. I never thought that this could be learned,
1: yeah. but
0: now I know it can be learned because I know it's a natural ability, and it, you know, and what's happening in you know my association with people going through the boot camp. Uh, or the one-on-one program, whatever, is that a certain percentage of become channels themselves, like maybe thirty percent. So it's more of a easing of your belief system that allows this natural ability to come through in a variety of different ways. So some people are psychics and mediums and channels and what have you, or simply connecting to, uh, you know, like uh, you know, connecting to loved ones who passed away, that sort of thing. And yet, so you. You At the time, did you think that this was a natural ability, something that you could learn? How did that even occur to you?
2: Well, I thought I could learn it because people were teaching classes on it. Oh, And so I thought, ah, this is interesting. Who knows? I was just led. I don't know that I really had a goal or an objective other than it was interesting to me and I was being led, as they say here in the Deep South, that I was being led to learn it. And I did. And and most psychics just talk to dead people or yeah. they're just doing animal psychic stuff or whatever. I do it all. Yeah. We can talk to your dead grandma. I can scan your cat. I can scan you medically. We can do past lives. We can do spirit guides. We can do whatever. My house.
0: You did yeah, my house. Your house. Yeah. All of
2: it. And so it's all... The bottom line is being able to raise your vibrational level to a really high level. And then you can take it anywhere you want. You Mm can communicate with spirits that are alive spirits that are deceased. Doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. I know that when I relax, I can communicate easily with people. Um, And one of my friends had a girlfriend, a, a former girlfriend who he was really close to and she passed away. And when I thought of her, it came to me so clearly that she was just ecstatic jumping in joy on the non-physical side because she had lived a pretty hard life here, but was still very spiritually connected. And it seems like when she was transitioning, she saw instantly all the resistance that she had in this life. And so now she was just this buoyant person full of life and energy and fun. And I relayed that to my friend and he's like, that's exactly how she was in high school. Yeah,
2: and that's how all spirits are, and we can communicate with anybody we want. Oftentimes, people, when the first time I talk with them, they'll say, "Well, who's? Let's see who shows up." And I say, "Who do you want to talk to?" Yeah, we call them in. Yeah. I mean, it's instant. You want yeah. to talk to your dead grandma? You want to talk to Mother Teresa? You want to talk to Einstein? Who do you want to talk to? We bring them in. You have they any? They immediately show
0: up. Any good stories about? Some oh of these things? yeah,
2: endless endless stories about that I in my class I had last summer one of my classes there was a guy who was a retired rocket scientist and he was doing some consulting and he was working on some theorem and he wanted to converse with Einstein yeah so we pulled Einstein in and in front of all 12 of us in the class we were all on a virtual on zoom on a virtual thing uh, virtual platform. We talked to Einstein and Einstein gave him the answers. And those of us that don't have technical brains were saying, okay, that sounds like gibberty, gibberty gook to us, <laughs> but he got it. And it was exactly what he needed. That's amazing. It was exactly the information.
0: This is what Joshua talks about all the time is that, that you have access to all of this information and there are anyone who is interested in the stuff you're interested in, in the non, you know, who are there in the non physical now is trying to bring you this information if you'll just let it come in. But our belief systems are so rigid that these thoughts will come in and we'll just say, that's a crazy thought, thinking that we manufactured it ourselves rather than realizing that it's coming from, you know, a guide or a supporter of some sort.
2: Well, and it's interesting too, I'm on the board of the Soul Phone at the University of Arizona, which is a a device that can communicate with spirit. And Gary Schwartz, Dr. Gary Schwartz has come up with this technology. And so I'm on the board advisory board with them. And some of the people that are on the periphery of it have said, well, the spirits that are advising us are not going to give this information to anybody else. And I said, why do you think that? Right. And they say, because they, they only want us to have it. And I said, well, I think that's pretty short-sighted. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, anybody that asks for it, they'll give it to them. Absolutely. I said, the information that you've gotten, gotten from this group of scientists, deceased scientists, is because of how you've asked the questions. Every, all the information that we receive is all predicated on how do we ask the questions. And spirits are super literal. Super, yeah. super, super. But they're not going to give information to one person and not another. They, they give to whoever asks them.
0: This is the idea of being a cooperative component to the universe. If you are the path of least resistance for this idea to flow to, it'll come to you. If yeah, yeah. you have to have the desire or the need for the information, and not in a, I'm going to die if I don't get it, but in a, this is really interesting and exciting. I want to bring it forth just for the pleasure of having it. And so it releases. And you can see this in inventions that are created at the same time at different parts of the planet, like flight, for instance, all happened around the same time. You know, all these things are coming to those who are opening up their belief systems enough to allow it in and raising their vibrations in the pure joy of the pursuit that they're interested in. Um. That's why I say that everything that comes from Joshua is open source. It doesn't belong to me. It's for whoever's interested. And people think that's crazy. You know, you did all that time to, of writing the book and all that. I said, I just spend an hour a day, enjoy letting it come out. And, you know, my abundance is not tied to any of this stuff. So it's for you to use. And if you choose to rewrite the same book in your own words, that's fine with me because getting it out there even better is more. this is why I have people like you on, you know, all these other channels and experts and people who are interested in law of attraction. This is growing this body of information. Nobody has to squirrel it away like spiritual leaders and teachers did in the past. They said, I'm qualified to teach you this information and this is my information. i right. you know, now we're saying, no, this is the the world's the universe's information and I'm just receiving it and relaying what I receive and it's open to anyone
2: well and I explain that our heads are like big satellite dishes and every thought has a frequency and it's it's an analogy I use Gary is that every thought is on a broadcast network like a radio station in your car and you're, you know, when you have a negative thought and you kind of go in this black hole of making up all this nonsense in your head, you're on that frequency. So you need to disrupt that frequency and go to a different frequency. And it's, and it's a completely new concept to most people that thoughts don't originate in our heads and emotions we manufacture. There's a great TED talk and, uh, by Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's a professor at Harvard. And she talks about how we manufacture emotions in our head and how thoughts don't originate in our heads. Yeah. Which is which is great validation and 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 basically corroboration of what we've been saying, you and I both, that you know, that thoughts have a frequency.
0: Yeah, you attract thoughts like everything else. Your brain is not a thought factory, it's a receiver and transmitter. And there's, I've been watching a lot of TED Talks too, especially about near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a doctor. And he says that he's had experiences with 2,000-plus people dying in this trauma center and had experiences with reviving about 200 of them. And those 200 all have very similar stories, one of which is that they leave their body and they look down and they re- can recall what the doctors were saying. Right. And he was there, so obviously he can verify it. And he says, this happens when there's no brain activity, when the brain is actually t- turned off. Right. So that proves that the brain is not manufacturing thought because the, the brain's off. Thought is coming from your consciousness that you're attracting the thoughts. The brain is like, think about sight. Your brain is receiving light waves and interpreting them. Your brain's not creating the world around you. It's receiving information in the form of light waves and sound waves and stuff like that. And then and then trying to make sense of it. Well, the same thing is true. It's not manufacturing thought, it's receiving thought and trying to make sense of that based on your belief system. And so since everyone's belief system is different, everyone sees things differently, everyone hears things differently, smells them, tastes them, touches them, and everyone thinks differently. But you can you can change how you receive thought based on how your emotional state of being is and how you're approaching life in general. That's what this technology is all
2: about. Right. Very I interesting. Agree. Yeah. I agree. And people say to me, well, what happens when you come up against somebody who doesn't believe in this? And I said, well, that's their prerogative.
1: Yeah. they believe, to believe whatever
2: they want. I, right. I do my best to stay in Switzerland. If if this is for you, great. If it's not for you, fine. If it is for you, great. If it's, I don't care. Somebody said to me not too long ago, well, you have to prove this to me. And I said, well, really, I don't. (laughs) If, If it's something you're interested in, great. If you're not, that's fine too. I'm fine either way. And they just didn't know what to say. It was a riot. But the stories of doing this work for years and years and years are endless. I worked with a client last week and That's what my first book, Angelic Attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next is all about. I find that there's lots of information on near-death experiences. There's even lots of information on the afterlife, but not so much available on what's happening as we're dying. Right. And so I describe what I call the twelve phases of transition, which are how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones and different configurations and it can happen happen instantly like in the case of a suicide or a homicide or it can mm-hmm. stretch out our days weeks months I had a gal call into my show for two years and her father was in phase 11 of 12 for two a years time. yeah a long time but I had a gal last week and her grandmother is 95 And she said, she's so ready to go. She tells me every day, I'm ready to go. My friends are all gone. My, you know, all my siblings are gone. My parents are gone. I love you guys and you're all good. And I'm just ready to go. And so she said, can you scan my grandmother? Well, grandma was very much in her body. She was not dying. (laughs) And so She said, well, is there anything you could do? And I said, yeah, there's this exercise I do with people when they're afraid to die. And I call it the walk to heaven. And I talk about it in Angelic Attendance. And it's basically, we, we do a, a dress rehearsal of what's going to happen when their spirit separates from their bodies so that it's not scary to them. So we get on, get on the other side of the pearly gates. The pearly gates, to me, Gary, look like this big, huge, white, yellow plasma wall. And, and we go through it, and it just seals up, and there's no trace. And Mm -hmm. we're on the other side and all her family and loved ones were there and there were animals there. And one of them was a Shetland pony. And I said, "Did your grandmother have a Shetland pony at some point in her life? And she said, not that I know of. I've never heard anything. So we finished. And later that day, she sent me an email. And she said, I called my mom as soon as we hung up. And sure enough, my grandmother and her family had a Shetland pony when they were growing up. And the pony's name was Thunder. And my mom thought it was hilarious because everybody hated Thunder because he was so mean. Oh, funny. <laughs> I said, And that's really interesting, too, that all these pet spirits are there. And, and so I have endless stories about being able to describe a collie or a German shepherd or a cow, or I can always tell when somebody grew up on a farm because they're cows and chickens and horses and goats, pigs, and it's a riot. I was watching
0: a a TED talk with, I think she was a hospice nurse, and she was telling a story about the doctors walking into the hospital bed of someone and said, okay, we need to give her this, this, and this, and the, maybe this was the doctors talk about this. And the nurse said, oh, no, her grandmother's here. So she's, she's going soon. There's nothing you can do now.
2: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and in all the hospice information, most hospice information, it says – be prepared for your loved one to say they're seeing deceased relatives in some instances who've been gone gone for decades in long periods of time. And interestingly enough, Gary, what I describe with these 12 phases of transition correlates with a prayer called In Paradisum. I was raised Roman Catholic and I'm a practicing Catholic now and and, you know, I don't buy everything they teach, but a lot of, you know, but I go to church every week and all that wow. and get a lot from it. And so there was a, uh, there is a prayer said at the end of every Catholic funeral called In Paradisum. And it talks about how your, how your angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And that's what I see happen. But when I was doing my research for my book, best I could find was it originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe that people have been able to see these phases of transition since the beginning of time, and perhaps it just took till the 5th century till someone was well-educated enough that they could read and write. Right. Certainly some of the most well-educated people at that point were men living in monasteries and in synagogues, because they were the ones who kept all the holy texts and all the records. I mean, look at the records the Vatican has, for God's sake. So I find it fascinating that as we've gotten more well-educated as a a humankind, especially in our Western culture, we've disregarded a lot of these abilities that we've had since the beginning of time because we're looking for proof.
0: We're looking for science.
2: Right. And yeah. now the science is catching up. Like I mentioned, like what Dr. Schwartz is doing at the University of Arizona. Right. He's getting ready to release a paper that's going to be a game changer as far as you know, being able to prove without a doubt that life, the consciousness does exist past uh, bodily death.
0: Yeah. And th- there's a fascinating guy, I forgot his name, in University of Arizona who's been studying the phenomenon of kids remembering their past lives between the age of two and four. And he's tracked hundreds of them to actual people Uh and to actual relatives are still alive who verify all these things that they're saying. So there's so much going on. And and the beautiful thing is this time of technology, we have access to stuff that general, you know, just watching Ted talks alone, you have access to so much information that either was keep, being kept secret or people were afraid to publish because no one would believe it. Now we can have this show like this. We don't need anyone to give us access or permission to have this conversation. And there's these kinds of conversations happening a thousand times a day on the internet. It's awesome.
2: Tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing a a guy for my Christmas show. I'm not going to do a live Christmas show. And he's a retired air force Colonel who is an expert on paranormal mm. and UFO stuff. And yeah. so the theme of the show is going to be how spirits and ghosts have been in every culture since the beginning of time. Certainly the Christmas story, you know, the angel appeared to Mary and blah, blah, blah. And another angel appeared to Joseph and said, go back a different way because Herod's killing male babies. Mm. And, uh, in Dickens classic a christmas sure. carol and and i find it fascinating how spirituality really is interwoven in every culture every religion and why is that whether people believe in it or not they know about it
0: yeah it's it is interesting how that in in the 20th century we've gotten more focused on science and less on spirituality and those of you know those who are really into religion are, are given this idea that they're they have to be good and there's a hell if they're not good what about a hell is there a hell
2: well that's what's so funny so many people are afraid to die which is part of the reason why i wrote angelic attendance and and i always say people are afraid when they die are they gonna fly or are they gonna fry
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just a matter of no hell it doesn't exist yeah. like the movie all dogs go to heaven all people go to heaven too
0: So why is hell a thing, do you think?
2: Because it's been used to control the masses. Fear is the biggest motivator of all. And it's been used by religions and cultures to control the masses throughout the ages.
0: What I'm getting now is that the original idea of heaven and hell is that there's two streams of consciousness. And when we're in alignment with who we truly are and our inner selves, and we're seeing life as good, and we're having this higher perspective on, on all things, then we're connected to that stream of consciousness of love which you could say is heaven. And when we're feeling bad and, you know, choosing a limited perspective and we're out of alignment with our inner self, then we dip into this stream of consciousness based in fear. As Abraham says, all thoughts that have ever been thought before still exist. All human thoughts that have ever been thought before are primarily based in fear. And so if you're living in fear all the time, you're accessing the stream of consciousness that's based in fear and you're receiving all these Thoughts that are based in fear. And if, and most people, a lot of people are living that life. They're living a life of fear because they're so connected to the stream of consciousness. And that is literally like living in hell on earth. Right. Yeah. But as far as
2: a fiery pit that somebody gets dropped into when they die, no. May I tell you a quick story about when my dad died that relates to this? Yeah. My dad was in the seminary in Rome at the Vatican. He graduated from the Gregorian University at the Vatican. After World War II, he went on the GI Bill and he left 6 months before he was to be ordained a priest. So when he was dying in 2006, he was afraid to die. He was in a he was on a ventilator, he was in the ICU and I could communicate with him telepathically because he was in a coma. He wasn't able to communicate. So I'm chatting with him, well he's afraid he's going to die. I mean, you know, he drank the serious Kool-Aid yeah. at the Vatican in the in the late 40s, early 50s. And so I said, Dad, hell doesn't exist. Anyways, long story short, I was talking to a friend who's a psychologist, childhood friend, and she said, are there any deceased clergy in the room who are surrounding him? And I said, oh yeah, tons, because he had tons of friends who were priests and bishops and cardinals and all that. And she said, we'll see if one of them will will help, help you you know, get him over this. So one was a family friend who married me, actually. His name was Father Hanley. And so I'm doing all this telepathically. I wasn't even with him when I did it. I was at his home, and I, sa- I said, "Father Hanley, can you help?" And he laughed. He was a character. Next thing I know, Gary, there's a pope, a dead pope in the whole pope outfit, standing next to my dad's right shoulder with Father Hanley. I'm I'm standing behind them, and the room is full of dead popes. And I said to, and I could tell they all had their pope outfits on from different <laughs> generations, you know. And I said to Father Healy, I said, "Who's that next to my dad?" And he said, "Well, it's Pope Pius the Twelfth. And I said, "Well, of course it is. Pius the twelfth was in office when my dad was in the seminary, and when my dad's bishop would come to Rome for his biannual visit, he would take my dad with him into the Pope's meeting in his, the Pope's private study. Wow! I have rosaries from Pope Pius the twelfth. Wow. So Pius the twelfth said to my dad, Tom, there is no hell. We're ready for you whenever you want to come. Come on." And then, and then immediately they all just disappeared and my dad died two hours later. Wow. So I thought I got a room full of dead popes telling him there's no hell it, and he was so afraid to die. And I thought, okay, that's pretty good proof to me being a cradle Catholic, you know, here's this room full of dead popes saying, Hey, and, and I found it so interesting, Gary, that it was the Pope that he knew personally yeah. who came to his bedside to give him this message.
0: I would listen to another TED Talk about, they were categorizing all these near-death experiences. And so they would say <clears throat> 98% of people see, get into a, a dark room, then there's a, a light at the end of this tunnel, and they move towards that light, and then they're in a garden or a beautiful nature area based on their culture, and right. in that place are either family members or religious figures right or both. and or both right and and so if someone was religious then this would make sense because they're all easing now of the people he's talking about near death experiences all of them obviously came back right so they were either they either decided to come back on their own or were told that they had more to do and that that they can cross over if they want to, or they can go back, you know? And that was really interesting too, because it's a different experience for obviously for near death people, because they've come back.
2: Right. And I talk about that in my book because it corroborates with what I perceive happens on this walk to heaven and i and it corroborates also what i perceive happens when people are are their spirit is starting to separate from their body it's all the same thing and and it's a riot on the other side of the pearly gates who's waiting for them oftentimes i'll see a loved one holding an infant and i'll say okay who's the infant and the person that i'm that with whom i'm working will say well that was my mom's brother who died when he was three days old or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, just information that there's no way we mm-hmm. would know about it. Right. And, and it's fascinating. But I find that it's very comforting to people. And something that I didn't see coming when I wrote Angelic Attendance is it's being used as curriculum in Sunday school classes throughout the country, yeah. in churches and in synagogues. And my church gives one of the books to every family that comes in to plan a funeral.
1: Wow. Which
2: I didn't see coming. And the inspiration for that book came from another dead pope who showed up one time when I was with my mentor about 10 years ago. And and she was doing a healing on me. And he showed up in the room again in his whole pope outfit, holding the shepherd's rod in the whole nine yards. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Pope Clement and i said well there was a pope clement <laughs> i never heard of a pope clement and he said yeah i was number 6 and i said okay may i help you and susan could see him too my mentor and and he said yeah you're just supposed to teach the world about what happens when we die because everybody's so afraid of it your culture has just you know bastardized the daylights out of it yeah and and it's really a glorious thing and it's nothing to be feared and and i said to him at the time carry will love this i said i'm not doing that? I'm a businesswoman. People are going to think I'm nuts. And he said, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I got in the car to leave and I Googled Pope Clement VI. And I found out that he was in office during the bubonic plague. Uh And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his Uh prayers for the dead. And I thought, Ryan, you can't make this stuff up. That's right. And so he's been my mentor and main spirit guide ever since.
0: One thing I've realized in doing this, you know, it's not really work, but in being involved in this is that I've, I've theoretically lost my fear of death. Uh I don't, you know, I don't, I, and I also have lost any grief. I don't feel grief in the loss of others Mm -hmm. anymore. I do remember crying at funerals before, and now I do not cry at funerals. So that is like, as tangible evidence. Now, if a gunman walks in and it's going to threaten to kill me, I'm sure I'm going to feel fear, but I don't have that same worry about it. How about you? Do you?
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Same yeah. thing. And And it's interesting how elderly people get this because like the story I told you earlier about the woman who was 95 and ready to go, I think people just get to a point where they're saying, okay, I've been here. I've done it. I've done everything I want to do. I love you all who are left yeah. because when our grandparents say, okay, we're ready to go. I remember my mima, my grandmother who with, I'm named for her and was very close to her. And she'd say for 10 years, I'm just ready to go. And I said to her one time, well, we don't want you to go. And she <laughs> goes, yeah, but you'll be fine. And I said, well, it makes me feel like chopped liver that you don't want to stay around for me. She right. laughed. But, but I think they all get to the point where they know. They've done what they wanted to do. They've experienced what they wanted to experience and they're ready to go. And how beautiful is that?
0: My mother was having a hard time transitioning and you helped me a lot with that, but she was really kicking and screaming, not wanting to go she was. the whole time. And it wasn't until, you know, she was really being taken care of. She was in a stroke, as you'll remember, for about eight years and she was she was, could be in a wheelchair, but mostly was bedridden and had three women in South Africa take care of her around the clock. And that was her family to her. But even, you know, and then she transitioned out of her um, apartment into a old folks home and she did not like that at all. And she kept calling me saying, put me in a hotel, you know? It's like the, and, and uh, um, it wasn't really until she went to the retirement home that she was ready to go because she did not like that at all. Right. And so she was ready to go and she went very quickly after that, maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah.
2: I have so, a funny story about, uh-huh. about a gal who, uh, her dad was in ICU. He was 85, retired dentist. And, and he kept hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on for a couple of weeks. And they were getting ready to transfer him to a nursing home. And she kept saying, What does he need? And he kept telling me, I need my family to file my quarterly estimated taxes. <laughs> And she was saying, are you kidding me? And I said, truly, that's what he just kept saying. I need him to file my quarterly estimated taxes. So I finally said to her, she called one day and she was just exasperated with the whole thing. She said, I, you know, we're just, it's time for him to go. And I said, he's still saying he wants you to file his taxes. And she said, I don't even know where they are. So I've got her on the phone, Gary, and I'm doing telepathic communication with him. It was like a spiritual conference call. Yeah. And I said, where can she find, her name was Angela, I said, where can Angela find the taxes? And he said, there's a desk in my bedroom, it's the drawer, middle drawer on the left, open it and she'll find them. And I said to her, just go to his house and look and yeah. see what you find. Turn up the taxes were there, they were filled out, they were signed, the check was written, the postage was on the envelope, oh she mailed it on her way back to the hospital and he was dead within a couple of hours.
0: Wow. Good.
2: So it's hilarious the things that people need before they go. Like your mom needed that catalyst to go into a nursing home to know that, okay, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Right. And, it all, and it all happens perfectly in perfect right. order. And the thing that I also tell people is, remember, spirit time is, doesn't exist. Our time is a human concoction. And so something that is 100 years in our time isn't maybe even a blip on the right. radar screen of eternity. It yeah. might even be a speck. Yeah. We don't. We just can't wrap our human minds around it because we don't have any frame of reference.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Joshua was talking about, think of that eternal perspective where we were here before the earth was created, right? Right from the beginning. Right. And so even the entire existence of the earth is not that long. Now, imagine your finite 100-year experience on earth is a blink of an eye.
2: Right. And what's funny about that, too, is I have done past life stuff, uh, where it's on a different planet and it's Mm. super advanced Mm. and it looks like a star Wars set. I had one guy call into my show one time and he said, do I have any past lives where I was an engineer? And so I always say, show me the past lives and then show me the one that's the most prevalent. With mm-hmm. this question, and so one showed up. It looked like a Star Wars set. I mean, there were flying vehicles and towers and all this stuff. And I got that he was in charge of the power grid for this city. I'm calling it a city. I don't know what yeah. they called it there. And uh, and I said, you were in charge of the power grid for the whole city that made everything run, the vehicles, the city, the power, the whatever. And I said, what kind of engineer are you? And he said, I'm an an electrical engineer. I said, well, there you go.
0: Yeah, that's funny.
2: (laughs) It's fun. Past life stuff's really fun to do because oftentimes we'll get information. I had another guy not too long ago who's a a CEO of, has been a CEO of several publicly traded corporations. I mean, big dog, big dog. And he had been in a past life, he had been a British admiral in the late 1700s, he was the commander of the Atlantic Fleet and was best known for one of his naval battles against the French in the late 1700s. We got his name. We got all this information. We Googled it, Gary. All of it was there. It was wild.
1: Yeah. And
2: so the and then there's always a correlation with current life. So with him, it was he was he had cancer, metastatic cancer, and so you know he was used to strategizing. He was used to commanding everything he was used to influencing things and he wasn't used to receiving
0: yeah he wasn't used to accepting
2: and this cancer uh, was forcing him to be able to receive yeah other people's care
0: Mm -hmm. um so see if you can talk to me about my dad now yeah what what do you see is happening with him
2: okay tell me his name again gary
0: hugh
2: hugh all right and he he is where he's in florida Florida. West Palm Beach. All right. Has he always been there or did you move him there?
0: We moved him there in, we lost track of him.
2: Wasn't he someplace else? Yeah, he was was in
0: Gary, Indiana.
2: That's what I was thinking. Uh
0: And then we found him, you know, pre-internet, somehow my sister-in-law found him and we brought him back in and then he worked for me in my business and I bought him a condo and
2: he's been there. Okay. All right. All right. So, Hugh, so I'm connecting from you to Hugh. So how I do this is I raise my vibrational level. I close my eyes and I watch a laser beam come from my body. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. It's hooking into you in North Carolina. And then from you, it's ricocheting back to Florida to your dad. So Hugh, I'm talking to Gary. He wants to know if I can scan you. No. <laughs> He's saying No. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably not a surprise to you. I always ask before I scan somebody if somebody is asking me to scan somebody else Uh huh. because it's an ethical thing with me, Gary. I, I feel like it's an invasion of their privacy. It would be like a HIPAA violation. You know, I'm looking at their MRI scans, sure. but we can talk to his spirit and get information. And oh, we I don't can go around him. Well, I don't have a problem with that because I believe the spirit's not going to tell me anything. It doesn't want me to know. Right. So, sure. do you have questions for him?
0: Um, well, he's, you know, i <clears throat> it's hard to tell whether he's doing well or not doing well. He's having trouble physically, but mentally. Define well.
2: Define well.
0: Well, like he's going to live another 10 years or not, or die tomorrow. I get tomorrow. a yes.
2: I get a yes at this moment in time. But remember, yeah. things that have happened are set in stone. Things that are happening are set in stone. Things that are happening in the future are fluid. Right. Because there's all there are a bazillion variables that come in that can affect an outcome.
0: Yeah. So he, he was living on his own. And then a friend of his from church helped him get into a program where they come by and they take care of the house, bring him meals, Feed him, clean up the house, that sort of thing. And so now, since that's happened the last couple of weeks, he's gotten a lot of people coming by. But he can't really get around very easily. You know, his body's sort of gotten stiff. Um, and so I need to schedule a time to go down to see him. And I'm like, do I have to rush to get there, no. or can I go when I planned?
2: Very you good. go when you. That's
0: plan. all I know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he he uses words like "you better come before it's too late." <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that,
2: you know, it's that fear as a motivator thing.
0: Right, right. Well, he bought a gun, so he goes one day. I'm just gonna uh, going to uh, just end it all, <laughs> like that sort of thing. But you know,
2: that's okay. And I'm like,
0: that's okay. It's all suicide anyway.
2: That's right. You know, I agree. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, so going forward, you have a new book now for kids, and kids is something I'm totally interested in as well. I think that that even though I don't have kids myself the questions around kids are the most fun. And the parenting that I see often is this control, usually based on the negative emotion the parents are feeling because the kids are doing something that triggers a fear. And so they're trying to control the kids so they can solve that fear rather than solving the fear internally. So a lot of people now who have been following Joshua are changing the way they parent kids, and they're trying to control less and work on processing their limiting beliefs a bit more. Of course, they're all always going to control the kids, but I have this idea for a game show where it's like a reality show where you bring a mother and his two kids to a store and you say, you have to allow the kids to do anything they want. And if you can go a minute without telling them no, <laughs> then you win a $1,000. You know,
2: <laughs> That's a great idea. I have a gal who took my class and and I, in my class, I teach people how to communicate with spirit, both alive and deceased. And so she in turn has taught her five-year-old and her seven-year-old and her husband what she learned in the class. I like you as, hey, here's the information, share it with yeah. your family. So when her kids act up, she says, I send them to their rooms and I tell them to go have a conversation with their angels. <laughs> and then they come back and she said, they have these lucid conversations that apply to what had happened and she said it makes so much sense that it's just mind-boggling
0: inner it guidance means, they inner have their guidance. own inner guidance they don't need the parents what i love in this community is all the parents who have taught this to their kids the kids are using joshua phrases you know back at them mommy why don't you just be an allower you know mommy you're in resistance right now you're out of alignment
2: <laughs> hilarious That's so funny yeah yeah, yeah.
0: So what was the inspiration for the book, Angel Messages for Kids?
2: It's Angel Messages for Kids, and it's a picture book. I think it has 17 sentences in it. You know, the pictures tell the story. And the inspiration was I've had so many moms over the years, Gary, that have said, how do I explain to my child that they know information about a past life, and we can corroborate it online with historical information, and this kid can't even read yet how do we do that? How do I explain to my child that my grandmother is showing up in his room and talking with him and he knows my grandmother's name and he knows all her sisters and brothers and he knows, and my grandmother's been dead for 20 years. Wow! And And he can see grandma and talk to her, but mommy and daddy can't. Yeah. How do I explain to my child that we're at the funeral home and granddad has died and they can see granddad's body in the casket, but we're telling him that Granddad's in heaven, mm-hmm. and the kids going. What? How does that compute? Yeah. So I had this idea. My husband Tim and I were driving to Chicago, which was about a ten-hour drive or something over Labor Day weekend to see my brother and his wife. And we were talking, and I was doing consults on the way up in the car, and we couldn't get a flight that weekend or whatever. So we were driving, and and I had this thought, and I told Tim, I said, I've, I'm being led to write a children's book. He said, Really? And so here's how inspiration works with me. So within 20 minutes, I had a consult with a woman who I'd never met, who I'd never heard of before, and she just happened to be the EVP of early childhood learning for Google mm. and had worked on PBS as a consultant on many children's shows for 20 years. And I said, oh, I, I was just talking to my husband about how I'm being inspired to write a children's book. So if you write it, let me know. I'll be happy to, to look it over. Fine. Fine get to my brother's. That night, her his sister-in-law and brother-in-law came for dinner. After dinner, the women were in the dining room, of course, and the guys were watching football in the family room. And at the dining room table, something came up about, about this woman, her name's Laura, how she had a brother that died when she was five. And she said, I wish somebody had a book that could describe to me what happened. She said, I am, I had all these old Italians. She's a full-blooded Italian. She said, I had all these old Italians in my house wailing because my brother died. And they were all just telling me he was in heaven. And she said, I I don't think I understood even remotely what happened until I was maybe 10 or 12. She said, it would have been great if somebody could have read a book to me that would have made sense. And I thought, okay, there's clue number two in the same 24 hours. The next morning I woke up and I got Angel Messages for Kids as the title. And then it will be the first in a series of angel messages that are kids' books. So the next one may be angel messages for goldfish, angel messages for firemen, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, of course, being the businesswoman that I am, I Googled the domain. The domain was available. So I, I'm still in bed. I'm still in the guest room bed. Yeah. So I'm securing the domain name. Then, of course, I looked up to see if the trademark was available, and it was. So I sent an email off my phone to my patent and trademark attorney. And I said, okay, secure this. And then, and then I wrote the book on the way back. And then the next day I sent it to this Google woman. She sent it back to me after about 10 minutes. I sent it to my editor. She sent it back after about 20 minutes. I teased her, I said, this is going to take you 10 minutes to review this. She (laughs) said, well, it took me 15. I said, okay. And then the next day I found my illustrator who's in Ireland. And mm. what normally takes a year, we're getting out in three and a half months. Mm. And I say that it's angels easily answering kids' difficult questions or kids' tough questions, like what happens when somebody dies? How is it that I can see people? And you can't. Have, it explains how we're a spirit connected to a body. Right. And we decide that we want to – we we choose who we want to take care of us and love us, and then we decide to be a baby. And the illustrations are fabulous. Where do you see them, Gary? They're just colorful and beautiful, and they're all original watercolors. Wow! And they're just—I'm so thrilled with it. And it'll and be is available it, this
0: week. This week? Oh, great! Okay, good. This week in so... time.
2: And Pope Clement was part of the equation too. My my spirit guide, I. Tune in with him. And I said, am I supposed to write a children's book? And he said, yeah, but it needs to be out by Christmas. <laughs> and perfect I said, thing, yeah. I can't get it out by Christmas. And he said, just, he always says to me, just do it. And I do, and it works. And in everything I've ever done, even before I started studying any of this spirituality stuff, I always had the mindset as an entrepreneur, the people I need to show up, show up when I need them. And they always do. And this is another example of it.
0: That is the definition of the law of attraction. Right. And that that abundance is not that financial abundance we think of. It's the ability to do what you're inspired to do and receive everything you need to take that exploration. Whatever you're inspired to do, right? And Clement
2: even Pope Clement even told me what to price it, where to price it, and it's 7.99. Uh huh. It's going to be in digital and in paperback, and then I wrote a blog last week about about the full moon at 12:12 Eastern on on December 12th on 12:12. Yep. And I learned about how you add the numbers together. I've never paid any attention to numerology, but I was laughing. I said to Clement, I go 7.99, really? And he said, Yeah. And he said, Do the numerology thing, and it it breaks down into the number seven, which is spiritual perfection.
0: Ah, interesting. Okay. Wow. There what we go. was twelve twelve add up to?
2: Twelve twelve, the the root of that is three. And if you go on my site ask and you read the blog, it's I think the I think I titled it uh, Twelve and Moon. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And I, I saw that. And you read the blog and then you read what somebody responded <coughs> and she's real into this numerology stuff and she's, she talked about, here's how you do it. But, but like on 799, you add the seven and the nine and the nine together, you get 25 and you add the two and the five together and you get seven and seven is spiritual perfection.
0: There's a book, you know, the the way of the peaceful warrior.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so he wrote another book called the life you were born to live back in the nineties. And that's all about adding up the numbers in your birth date. So mine oh, wow. is January 8th, 1963. So you take January is 1 plus right. 8 plus 1 plus 9 plus 6 plus 3. Yeah. And I'm at 2, 8, and then 28, right, as of 28. And then you add 2 and 8 together, and you get, and you 10.
2: get 10. So you're For a perfect those, 10.
0: You're well, those four 10. numbers mean different things.
2: And then 1 plus 0 equals 0, right? Well, you don't have to do it yet. more than
0: that because it's already all the way out. So okay. it's two, eight, ten, and so it is um, two means something, eight is abundance, um, one is something, and then I think zero is inner gifts, you know. And it was really interesting if you read what happens is you can live this life uh, against it or with it, right? Yeah. And so most people will will start off living against their life, living who they're not. And then once you start living that life, learning the positive side of all these aspects of yourself. So interesting. And I've done it for so many people over the years. And it's it fits everyone to a T. And this I'm not a thing, numerology this guy. This is
2: but. a um, – uh, list of numbers from one to 12. And my assistant pastor at my parish, his name is Father Joy Nellissary. Joy is his real name. He's an Indian guy
1: uh-huh.
2: from from like Bombay, you yeah. know, or whatever they call it now. It's not Bombay <laughs> anymore. Anyways, this is, what is it now? What's it called? It Mumbai. is Mumbai. Mumbai, right. Yeah. I'm, I had a partner who was from Bombay back yeah. in the 80s. And so, I still call it Bombay. Anyway, this is a list of, he calls it Bible numbers. And he talks about, he did a lecture and I asked him for his notes. And he talks about how letters are throughout the Old Testament in the Bible because people were illiterate, but everybody in the culture knew what different letters meant. And that's what helped keep the continuity of the stories as they were passed down orally. And 10 stands for divine perfection. Mm. And it says ordinal perfection, fullness, ten commandments, ten I am statements of Jesus. So this is in and this went from Hebrew to Greek to Latin, these Bible numbers, which I'd never heard before, but I've never heard of them. I think it's interesting. I'll send you a copy of it and you can share it with everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the book, Angel Messages for Kids. Is coming out this week. So so yeah. so. like so actually, by the time anyone listens to this podcast, it'll be out. Right. Uh, so on Amazon, obviously. Best yeah, best if
2: you go to AskJulieRyan.com, you can connect to wherever you want from there. It's going to be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, in libraries. I, I'm very, very committed to having my books be available in libraries, both... Right both public libraries and also university libraries. And so it'll be available all of those places.
0: Awesome. Well, that's how people will find you. Your podcast is Ask Julie Ryan, which is available wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, of course. And the website is? AskJulieRyan.com. Obviously, right? Great. So fun to get together with you again. Are you doing any live events?
2: My pleasure. Not really. Yeah. Not really. I, I have been, well, I think there's one on Facebook that's in January. That you're going to
0: do on Facebook? or that,
2: that I'll do on Facebook that I've been invited to participate in. Okay. But I'm yeah. not doing anything of my yeah. own. I, I frankly am so busy with private consults and being interviewed on other shows and things like that. And people say to me, well, you'll have a TV show one day or whatever. Okay, okay. I'm not going after that. I'm letting things unfold. If it works great, it doesn't matter to me. I'm having a ball doing this work and meeting amazing people.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about is the the exploration of who you are as you truly are in this thing you're passionate about and what shows up, shows up. And if you can release your attachment to any specific outcome, then the magnificence of what shows up is really going to resonate with those feelings you intended to feel prior to your birth. And that's going to be a fun life. And that's the whole purpose of this is to have this right. really enjoyable, satisfying, fulfilling, fun, adventurous life. It's right. full of abundance and full of freedom and full of not working. Cause we're just doing what we enjoy doing and amazing connections with other people. That's what life is. And, and hopefully people can get out of the, limitations of how they were programmed to be good and to be, you know, seen as worthy through other people and just do what you're inspired to do. And then you don't become an overnight success, but while you're doing it, you're experiencing all these great new adventures that would have been lost to you had you not embarked upon this journey of true self-discovery. Right. And that's available to everyone. So thanks so much for being here. We got to do it more often. This has been awesome. And everyone out there, obviously, if you know uh, anything about this podcast, we have Joshua Live, which is our other podcast where I'm channeling Joshua. And we have a Facebook group, Friends of Joshua. Look for that on Facebook or go to theteachingsofjoshua.com. So have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Julie. Goodbye. Thanks,
1: Gary. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.